we have something special for you this week. It's a Best of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul episode. And it's because it was so good, we want to be sure everyone gets a chance to hear it. Right. That's our reason. We really care. But we will be back next week with a brand new show. And that one will be special. For what it's worth. Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. So, Paul, how good are you at foreign languages? Bastante bien. Hablo español y e un poco de italiano. Okay, so not very good. Yeah, me either. Well, <laughs> hey, <laughs> I have some help for you, Paul, and its name is wine. I bet you've been reading a study again, Rick. Indeed I have, and I know how much you love them. Yes. So we have studies on the wonders of wine and language. And we have listeners who've been wine tasting recently and came back with questions about acid fog and why the wine in stores tastes different. Okay, good. And plus our horrible wine writing stains the palate, and another snobby wine writer tells us what real wine lovers drink. Ooh, that will be that good ball? to find out. I yeah. can hardly wait. Yeah, that's right. I, no, I, I, I want to be a real wine lover. No, really you're do. a fake wine lover. Rick. I can tell just by looking at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and as usual, <laughs> we are going to make fun of wine snobs, starting with that writer. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, and by the way, in case you've uh, you've missed us bragging about this, we are still on Capital Public Radio's podcast lineup. In their recommended podcast list right next to Terry Gross. I'm telling you, they, they should know better. They should know better. And we are also on Napa Broadcasting, and, or it comes out of Napa College, Paul. An institution of higher learning. And yet they hire you, too. So, <laughs> so there goes their judgment. And we are on all sorts of the usual uh, social media types places. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at rickandpaulwine.com. Go to those places, ask us a question. Yes, and that's new for us this year. We're excited. Yeah, we are. We are. Jeremy's got us in the, to the 21st century. That's so true. Excited. And and by the way, if you're if you're bored, go to iTunes and uh, and review us. Yes. Re- review us well. Quick, before you hear the rest yes. of the show. I was going to say, just don't feel like you need to be honest. <laughs> just, yes. All right. That's okay, right. So, uh, Paul, I'm going to help you with your problem learning foreign languages. Rick, eres un idiota. I know. It pains me to hear you struggle. Well, my monolingual friend, there's new research that says wine and other alcohol can actually improve our language skills. Yes. Well, yours couldn't get any worse. So <laughs> I should start drinking now. All right. A stu- it's, this study is published in the Journal of, of Psychopharmacology, which, as you know, is one of my regular— Yes, that's one of your regular morning I, reads. Every it's, morning I do. You get I, up my and coffee read. and my journal is psychopharmacology. Um, this is from tells the Tells uni- you you need more caffeine is what it tells you. <laughs> So these were researchers at the University of Liverpool, at Maastricht University in the Netherlands, and King's College in London. And, wow. Yep. So there was a bunch of these guys. Yeah. And, you know, when there's a wine study, a lot of people get involved. A lot involved. of people want to get That's involved. Right. Oh, we'll do that too. And it shows that low doses of alcohol, and this is a quote, may have beneficial effects on the pronunciation of a foreign language. Good. Actually, yep. in your case, Rick, it could have beneficial effects in, in English, the pronunciation maybe. of your own language. Uh, I should give it a try. All right. So the research, researchers tested 50 native German speakers, and they were students at Maastricht University. That was, once again, that's in the, the Netherlands. Yeah. And their mascot, by the way, is the Fighting Wine Goblets. N- no, it is not Porca Rick. Well, maybe not. Okay. The students had just recently learned Dutch. And they were randomly given liquid spiked to the to be the equal of a glass of wine or a pint of beer. And a, a group, a similar group, was given a similar beverage, or a control group, excuse me, given a similar beverage, but no booze. So the students who got the alcohol had signi- what they called better, significantly better obser- observer ratings. In other words, the people listening could tell that their Dutch, pronunci- Dutch pronunciations were better. Were better. The students who didn't, didn't get the alcohol could only ask when was happy hour. No, they couldn't. I, I, happy hour. <laughs> 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 que malo eres. Yep. 
Well, anyway, uh, this comes from Dr. <laughs> what? See, there he goes babbling. I, we're going to get you some help here, Paul. It, and Dr. Inga Kurzbergen from the University of Liverpool's Institute of Psychology, Health and Society said the study confirms that lower moderate drinking actively improves the pronunciation of a foreign language in people who recently learned that language. He says he, it lowers their inhibitions and boosts the self-confidence and reduces social anxiety so it can help us fine-tune an accent. Rick, I'm worried that Inga, you think, is a guy. It's, it's what it said. It is, huh? Yeah. Inga is a guy. Yeah. Well, who knows? Yeah. So, okay. Uh, uh, so uh, drink a little wine, speak more fluent French, German, Italian. How's your Korean? Yeah, it's, it's not, not so good. Not so good. So uh, this is the part I do like, though. Just to be clear, another research has said that uh, too much wine uh, would not have the same beneficial effects. <laughs> <laughs> you mean by the third glass of wine, you're, you're singing karaoke, karaoke and you are slurring everything yes. coming out of your mouth. So I have another sort of brain-related uh, uh, study. I know, and I know, I know how much you like these. So. Yeah, okay. Yeah, one, yeah. Only one more. Yes. Only one more, uh, right? Well, it's, so it turns out a couple of glasses of wine can also help clean your brain. Well, you should try them. I'm, I, you should yeah. try this, Rick. I, I poured it on top, and it didn't seem to work. Maybe um, this will help me. Maybe it'll clean my memory banks of these studies you keep bringing hope, up. Paul. <laughs> All right. Uh, actually, enough will probably help you forget everything. There <laughs> you yeah. go. All right. So yeah. this is new, new research uh, reported in the journal Scientific Reports. And it says the equivalent of – this is actually a significant amount. Two and a half glasses of wine a day can reduce inflammation in your brain and help it clear out toxins, in, toxins including those associated with Alzheimer's disease. Huh. This Two is, and a half glasses of wine a day. Yes. Rick, that's – It's a decent amount. That's a decent amount. Yeah. But when they talk about moderate consumption in the U.S., they say a glass for a woman and, and two, two glasses yeah, so for this a man. So this is more, more than moderate. Yes. Then now the uh, the – Macon Niedergaard, who is the co-director for the Center of Translational Neuromedicine at the University of Rochester Medical Center, said it basically, quote, improves the brain's ability to remove waste. You know, our listeners should be really interested in this. Yes. <laughs> so that they would, can remove the waste they of hearing us. Lots frequent. of people. We're like an earworm, Paul. <laughs> Some people just can't get rid of us as That's the day goes right. by. That's yeah. right. So the study was conducted on mice, and the mice got the equivalent of those two and a half glasses of wine a day. And I'm assuming those are mice-sized glasses. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> or swimming pools. Uh, and then some mice got nothing. And the mice who drank were way better at speaking Dutch. I got I can no 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 no. <laughs> All right, all right. So really, compared to the control mice, the drinking mice showed less brain inflammation. Their lymphatic system was more efficient in moving cerebral spinal fluid through the brain, which you know, is Rick, what. If cleans you had a glass of wine right now, you would find it easier to say cerebral spinal fluid. That's probably true, and I could probably say it in Dutch. Um, <laughs> they, uh, the ones who had uh, the alcohol also sang more songs. <laughs> the mice? Yes. <laughs> so, and what song did they sing? They sang 100 Balls of Beer, I think. All right. uh, so basically the researchers said low to moderate <laughs> drinking increased brain health. You know, I actually have a sort of funny story along these lines, Rick, because years ago I went out to dinner with three other people. We were working on a project together. One of them, <clears throat> four other people, one was a young German who spoke English, German, and Portuguese. One was an older German who spoke English and German and French. One was an older Portuguese who spoke Spanish, Portuguese, and that's it, and French. I, I need a graph just to keep yeah, track no, of it. It was very complicated. Yeah. The, the end result was there was no language that all four of us 
could speak together. So we were constantly going around the table translating from one language to another. So everybody – I realized I'd had too much to drink that night when I was having a conversation in German with the older German gentleman. And Rick, I don't speak German. (laughs) But – you should have tried Dutch. <laughs> we were doing great in German <laughs> with right. a little help from our friend Wine. Well, speaking of inability to uh, handle languages, I think we should uh, transition over to some questions where uh, maybe we can actually understand them. Okay. Not that anybody's going to understand our answers. You are, by the way, listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul as if you didn't know. Uh, you can ask us a question at rickandpaulwine.com or you can go to our social media spots. We're on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. At Twitter, it is at Rick and Paul Wine. Cool. Uh, ask us a question there. Or, and by the way, uh, don't forget, uh, say nice things about us on the spots, too. Yes. All right. So our first one comes from Ashley in Ashland, Oregon. Which is wine country. It's his wine country. And I, I'm sure people probably give her grief about Ashley in Ashland. But oh, well. If That's not, her problem. If not, I'm the idiot who just did. Sorry about <laughs> that, Ashley. Right. All right. So she says, I just moved here from the East Coast, and I'm starting to learn there's a lot of good wineries here. Yeah. But I always hear people talking about great acid or prickly acid or whatever they say. That sounds like a pickle. I don't want pickle wine. What's that about? <laughs> well, Ashley has hit upon one That's of the great good, truths of wine marketing, yeah. which is that if you want American consumers not to buy your wine, yes. include the word acid in right. the description. Right. Because right. American consumers don't like the idea of acid in their wines. Now, having said that, in the northern part of Oregon, Willamette Valley, for example, uh, it's a cooler growing region, and the wines have higher acidity, and that gives them that sort of fresh, bright well, character. Let me go sideways just for a second, and this is the example that we use a lot, um, yes. is that acid is not a bad thing in wine. In fact, it, it, it gives it some sense of itself. It gives it a, a, It frames it. And if you want to think about what acid does, think about orange juice. Right. And you don't really think about orange juice having acid in it until you brush your teeth and then you have your orange juice. And then you think, wow. And it's really sour. Well, I would tell you this. Uh, Coca-Cola is extremely high in acid. Clean. Uh, Paul is it, pointing to the uh, the soft drink that we will not name that I am drinking. Um, <laughs> but uh, but Actually, you, it's just the bottle. It's full of Cabernet. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's the way I fake it in here. Uh, but the uh, – and so – but um, think about the difference between orange juice and, say, orange Kool-Aid. And there's a, a – you know, a more well, – more of a sense of heft to that orange I, juice. I would, and use, that's the a, I would use another example, which is two different kinds of apples. Some people prefer a Granny Smith or a Pippin that has some bite to the finish that's a little brighter, a little fresher. Some people prefer a Golden Delicious, which is very sweet but has low acidity. I, I like apple pie. You like apple pie. Yeah, you're all American. Yes. Rick. That's what you are. And ice cream. <laughs> Thank you very um, much. So, but the, so, the, so Ashley, so some of it is um, personal taste. Yeah, and some of it is the fact that what they're saying is the the wine is actually well put together. Right now, on the other hand, where Ashley's living in southern Oregon is actually quite a grown, it's a warm growing region, region, right? And the wines from around Medford and Ashland do not have the same kind of acidity that they would if they were grown in the Willamette Valley. So there is a difference there. And what Ashley should do is forget everything people are telling her about the wine and taste just drink it? the wine she likes. Yeah, just there taste it. There you go. Yeah. And although I think one other thing, actually, because you are in a slightly warmer region, I think they're, they're proud of their wines that have some of that acidity, which is actually holding them together. Well, remember that in Oregon, the paradigm for great wine is up north where the acidity is relatively high. So the people in the south, if they want yeah. you to take their wines uh, as comparable, want to talk about how their wines have acidity too. 
But in fact, they have a different character. But, right. And generally, it doesn't mean that it tastes like a pickle. And by the way, if it does, do not drink that wine. Well, I was thinking that there's a perfect, um, perfect opportunity to um, drink that wine with a ham sandwich. And then you just have the pickle there on the side. There you go. We have, <laughs> perfect. Yeah. So you just pour it right on the sandwich. <laughs> I think that's a better way to do it. All right. This, the next one is from Harold in Fairfield. And okay. Harold says we were a tasting at winery name removed so we don't get sued. And the tasting guy said they don't make aperitif wines. And he looked on his face like he was saying well, they don't make gruel. <laughs> 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 what was he talking about? What's an aperitif wine? Well, it's not gruel. It's not gruel, but I have to say if I had somebody working for me in a tasting room who said this, I'd fire him on the spot. Yep. Yep. I have, first of all, I don't know what an aperitif wine is because people – here are the things that people drink as aperitifs. Everything. Everything. That's right. Yeah. They drink ruby port. They drink vermouth. They drink sparkling wine. They drink table wine. Anything, any alcoholic beverage just about that you can think of up to and including a Manhattan is an aperitif. Right, right. And I like they, don't make, they don't make them. So what do they make? I would ask that question right back at the pickle guy wine. in the taste. Pickle wine. That's right. If you got a ham sandwich, they got the wine for you. Other than that? Yeah. Uh, although, uh, I mean, I guess what he was trying to say is they don't make round, softer wines that are fine, that you, people would enjoy just to sip. Now, I don't know. No, nothing wrong with a wine I, like that. I don't know yeah. that that's the definition of an aperitif wine. So here's a perfect example of somebody in the wine industry using a term that, that only he understands, yeah. using it in a judgmental way that makes everybody else feel bad and communicating nothing but snobbism. Yes, right, right. And that's really the, the key. Never mind that we don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Uh, Never mind but, that he doesn't know yes, what he's talking but about. But he is communicating snobbiness, uh, which is even even a bigger sin. Right. Because you could ask him about what he's talking about. But when he's doing it in a way that's communicating snobbiness, I'm going to guess, Harold, that you didn't feel like it was the appropriate thing to do. Because here's the funny part, Rick. When he said aperitif wine, I had exactly the opposite conclusion. You said he doesn't make those soft... Round, sippy. Round, sippy. Sipping. And I was thinking what he means is they don't make light delicately flavored ah. wines that you might drink before dinner. Yeah. So in either case, he's not even communicating anything at all, and he's, except for the fact that he's a snob. It's so rare that you and I would think differently about something, so <laughs> he's really bad at it. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, so, so yeah. I, I, but whatever he's saying, uh, he said it wrong. You know, in situations like this, I, I almost wish that somebody like Harold would just raise their hand and say, what the hell is an aperitif wine? Yes, and you know uh, we have. Where so, do you get we, that? We've sort of suggest that sort of move before, and we, and and for anybody who's sort of a wine beginner and listening yeah. to us, um, well, if you're listening to us and you're a wine beginner, we apologize for sounding like we know what we're doing, but uh, <laughs> that's always one of our bits of advice to anybody when you get that wine snob, whether it's in the tasting room or in uh, as a psalm or in right. a store. It's hard. Ask them what they mean. It's hard to say. I'm sorry. I. Really realize that you think my ignorance is despicable, but I don't understand what you're talking about. It, it, yes. But do what I do when I call tech support because there's something wrong with my computer. I say, <laughs> pretend you're talking to a first grader. There you go. And they always say, oh, we could figure that out already. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't have to say that. No, they said, yeah, you, you, yeah we, we, we got that. All right. So in, in any case, yeah. Harold, I don't know if we even answered that one because we don't really know what the answer is. But first we do all, know he's a snob. First of all, we don't know what an aperitif wine is. Right. So this guy is just completely full of aperitif wine. Yes. All right. Okay, well, that's it for questions for now. We will have more in just a bit, uh, but something else to make fun of. Coming up, some really horrible wine writing. 
Yes, and you know we should play that music anytime anybody uh, anybody says aperitif wine. Aperitif wine. Yes, that's right. All right. So what do you got, Paul? Well, um, here's here's one that's gonna gonna. It, it certainly got me, and I'm hoping it gets you, Rick. Pale gold with a green hue, potent sense of pit fruit nectar, seaweed, anise, and smoky minerals with added floral and mace notes, stains the palate with intense nectarine and pear flavors that are braced by a strong mineral quality. There is an intensity here that refuses to let go on the finish, which strongly echoes to fruit, spicy minerality, and floral notes. Now, first of all, three different kinds of minerality in the same review. This sounds like a really aggressively unfriendly wine. Well, and then— It's uh, it's staining the palate. It's not letting go. It's got your tongue. Pit fruit nectar. Yeah, I don't know what that that is. Is that fruit that comes from your pit? Uh, No, that would uh, be—I think what he meant stone fruit. (laughs) But um, maybe maybe it's ground I was just pits. thinking it was yeah. really really intense uh, concentrated um, deodorant pit pit nectar. Could, yeah, we're, we're, yes, that's way way to way to bring us down into the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I do like stains the palate. Stains so, the palate. So apparently you're gonna have like a, a sta- well this although this is gold green it's gold pale gold green it's a white wine so white wine but sta- it stains the palate green it's gonna turn your could tongue be, green. Could be. I think it um, is. And the intensity won't let go. And I love the fact that it has— It refuses to let go. You say, please let go, and the wine says, no, 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 no. And smoky minerality. Yes. So what are they doing there? Are they heating rocks to a high temperature till they start smoking? Is this lava wine? Could be. And then later on, spicy minerality. Yeah. And I have no—what is that, pepperstone? Spicy. I don't know. I yeah. yeah, yeah, copper right. cinnamon. So um, I think that I think you know what this is. It's an aperitif wine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. I, I have Top one. That, I have one. Well, this isn't a review. It's one of those knuckleheaded real wine lovers bunk things. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Here's yeah. what real men do. Yes. There's only one way to drink wine. The headline: right. Real wine lovers order cab franc, not cabernet sauvignon. Who by the knew? Way, yes. By the way, I just read a story today about why the Cabernet Sauvignon grape prices are continuing to go up because, because people love it so people much. People like it yes. so much. But apparently not real wine lovers, just no. everybody else. Yeah. So here's this guy. Get a group of wine nerds together and more okay, likely— can I ask a question? Why would you want to get a group of real wine nerds together? If this is the kind of people they it's are? because you want to punish people. <laughs> you say, okay. You lock them in a room. You, and... you say, Fred's misbehaved. We're bringing in the wine, word, <laughs> wine nerds, and they're going to have to listen. Fred's going to have to listen. All okay. right, so, so this guy wants to punish himself by getting a group of wine nerds together. And more likely than not, says this writer, when asked to choose between Cabernet Franc over Cabernet Sauvignon, the decision would be unanimous. Cab Franc would win every time. Okay, first of all, pure, unadulterated baloney. Yes, Absolutely. Of course. Right. I, in fact, just talked to an extraordinarily good winemaker who was telling me how much he doesn't like Cab Franc. Well, and the other side of this is the idea that you would get a group of wine nerds together and, and they would be on unanimous anything. on yes. anything yes. is absolutely out of the question. Yes. Yes. 
Uh, and so he, this guy is blowing smoky minerality through his yes, hat. Pl- plus, this guy doesn't actually uh, understand his words because uh, you wouldn't choose between choose between choose between Cab Franc over Cabernet Sauvignon. He's no. already made the decision between, it's, right? Anyway. Yeah. Um, but also, the cat, so him continuing Cab is a no-brainer amongst wine lovers, not among, but amongst. Yes, even though it well, doesn't get the love it deserves on the American market, it's perfect. He goes on perfect all kinds of dishes like chicken, mushrooms, and vegetables. Beyond that, the great priest is such quaffable. And easy drinking wines that food isn't even necessary to savor a bottle amongst friends. So quaffable wines among is, wine nerds is, is an insult. That's right. That's the last thing you want to be accused of drinking is a quaffable wine. You know, I like quaffable wines because I can quaff them. Well, you're a quaffable kind of guy, right? I, I, I like to quaff stuff. You're quaffable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I will agree with that. I keep using amongst. That just bugs amongst. me. <laughs> but it's the, let's, get, let's get to the, the, the heart of it is, never mind he's wrong. It's the point that real yeah, wine every lovers single anything. point he's wrong. Yeah, but this notion of real wine lovers do something. Right. There's, there's no which such means, thing. Which means that unless you do it, you're yes. not a real wine lover. Yes. So right. actually, uh, you know. So it turns out neither you nor I are really wine lovers. Turns out we're frauds, Paul. We're frauds. We're fakes. Well, that's, we, we that's, should probably cut this out of the podcast. I was going to say, if we're going to uh, – no, we're going to prove how much frauds we are because we're going to answer some more questions. <laughs> 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 and don't forget, there's all that social media spots to, to ans- ask us a question yes. and Twitter, our website as well. And Instagram, go, go Facebook. We're there on all of them. Uh, yes, yes. And 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 fr- apparently it's frauds because we don't – I like Capron too actually. So. <laughs> I like but, it all. Uh, this is from Andrew in Sacramento. He says, we went wine tasting in Napa and Sonoma, and when we got back, we got some wines from the wineries at a store, and they weren't even close to the wines we tasted. What happened? Ooh. Are their store wines different? Well, yeah, actually. Well, a couple of different options yeah. there. It could be that they are actually different wines because when you're buying wines in a tasting room, often you're buying things that – or tasting things that are not available to the general public. They've right. made special releases just for the tasting room. Another possibility is the wines from the winery are a more recent vintage because it takes time for a wine to go from winery to distributor to retailer and get out on the shelf. So you may be tasting a very recent release at the winery and different year would be back at the store. Third one is that, frankly, the wines from the winery are stored in absolutely perfect condition and wines that go through the distribution network at one point or another. The one on the supermarket shelf may have been out on the shelf for three months. Yeah, although I'm going to bet more likely it's option A, the different wines. You know, especially if, if these are wineries of any size, they probably do, like you said, they have wines that they that they serve in their tasting room because they right. don't want it to be wines you get in the supermarket. Right. But also they have wines that are designed specifically for for the stores. Yes. And and they yep. have slightly different names. You know, it's coastal coastal vintners uh, special private selection. Yeah, all blah, those blah, blah, things. All of those things um, generally mean. And it doesn't make the wine yeah. bad. It just makes it different. Right. Uh, it and is so different. That, that's often the case. Um, yep. So that's probably yep. what it was. They probably so were different I, ones. One thing I would do is take a picture, as you, your famous advice, take a picture of the wine. That you like. That you like. And then compare that picture to what's in the supermarket yeah. to make sure it's exactly the same. My guess is you'll find it's yeah. got a slightly different label. Yeah, and if you are if you're at a winery, and you know they would of course want you to buy wine there. But if you're at a winery and and you like their wines, also ask them where you can get it. Yes. Yep. And if they yep. say only there, then no, you know. And there's your answer. Yep. yep. Uh, okay. This one is from my in Daly City. Okay. And I grew up on the border of San Francisco and Daly City. 
my folks used to live in South San Francisco. So, so yeah. At, yeah. So as it turns out, her question about fog is could be a question about Daly City, which is one of the yes, foggiest places to, I've ever been. used to call my parents' house fog the Fog City Diner. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly <laughs> right. All right. So she says, though, why is fog good for wine? Every time we go wine tasting, tell us about how great their fog is. Yes. Well, of course— it, it, fog comes in in the night and leaves in the morning on, on little cat's on, feet. On cat's feet, yes. That's right. And what fog does is maintain the – we're back. Boy, this is a great show because we're tying this back to Ashley's question about acidity. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it keeps the grapes tasting fresh. Uh, wines that uh, are, stay warm through the 24-hour period, both in the day and in the night, tend to lose acidity quicker. They are very good for dessert wines but not so great for table wines. Who knows if they're good for aperitif wines, Rick? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think now we've addressed all four questions yeah. in the answer to just this one question. Fog is good because it keeps the grapes tasting fresh. And it keeps them cool. And it That's lets them a good go to, thing. It actually lets them go to sleep. The, uh, yeah. uh, we, have, we have a winemaker friend, a mutual friend, uh, who says that he always likes that. He does anthropomorphize his wines in yeah. a way where he says if he's comfortable, they're comfortable. Right. says he likes to sleep when it's cool. Right. And grapes like to rest. And grapes yep. need to rest. Actually, all fruit does. It yep. grows during the day, and then it has to sort of re- recover and, and, and reboot. Yep. Um, and, uh, yep. and so fog helps to do that. Yep. Uh, so yep. there's always good things. Not just fog. Any cool temperature yes. will do it. Not just fog. But yes. fog is the visible personification of those cool it temperatures. It is. It's the personification of a child that's spent playing baseball with a down jacket on, too. But that's another whole you issue. You know, Rick, until you said that. Until you said that, we'd actually done a pretty good job of answering that question. Yeah. Sorry, my I just <laughs> my bitterness came through. All right. Well, speaking of bitterness, that's another round of bottle talk. <laughs> our producer is Devin Cortan. Thank you, Devin. Our associate producer is Jerry Marin. And thank you, Jeremy. Thank you to Capital Public Radio for the studio use and for including us on their lovely podcast lineup. Of recommended podcasts. And don't forget you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Ask us a question, any one of those places. Rick and Paul Thumbs Wine. up us. Spread us around. Thumbs tell, up us. Tell the world. Thumbs up us. And if you learned anything today, we hope it's this. You can still be a real wine lover if you only speak one language like Paul. Rick, eres un idiota perfecto. Right. I'm Rick Cushman. <laughs> and I'm Paul Wagner. And remember, the best wines are the wines you drink with friends. And with us. Especially with us. Especially with us.